Our lesson today is something uh, I guess I've been thinking about for uh, some time. I was talking to Stephen about our, our uh, lesson uh, uh, this week, and it was kind of interesting because usually the the, uh, the the person that does the ten o'clock usually gives the outline to the the guy that's following up, and it was kind of the reverse for this week that I had had this thought. I told him what I was thinking about, and Stephen was like, "Oh, I got a I got an outline." That's that's probably close to what you were thinking. So, uh, and it was, but uh, so there's many things that are similar to the outline. Some things that I've changed on here, but uh, his title for that outline was uh, "Christian Independence or Kingdom Self Determination." I kind of uh, think of it as de- simply dependence and uh, independence as well. That there are when we think about uh, our, our lives or our everyday. Uh, dealings with other people there are ways in which uh, people or a group of people can influence my thoughts my decisions whether that's in a beneficial way or or detrimental way and we think about uh, uh, tying that back to uh, how we interact with each other in the church uh, we we can uh, see that there are ways in which a collective group of people can influence an individual. And we can know that there are, uh, we can see in the scriptures that there is a distinction made between those things that are done by the individual and a uh, collective body. And we see times in the scriptures in which that collective body, the, uh, for example, uh, the church, that there are actions made by the collective body that can influence that individual, that can or can be a benefit to that individual. For example, a church helping a, a needy saint or uh, a church encouraging its its members, and then there's also ways in which a collective uh, group or whatever does not uh, benefit an individual, and that may particularly uh, may uh, harm that individual, may persuade them to do uh, make decisions that are sinful, or just may not uh, uh, make any uh, uh, make any uh, impact on that person, and so. When we think about this idea of independence, there are, there are many decisions that we have to make independently of others. As Christians, that there are decisions that we're going to have to make. There are times when we're going to stand on our own two feet, and our brethren can influence us in a positive way. They can persuade us to make the right choices, but at the end of the day, it's our choice to make. We have to make those decisions for our own selves. And, uh, for example, we think about Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. This is when the church, and church is, is very young. It says, And the multitude of them that, were, that believed were one heart and soul, and not one of them said that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. So this was the early church, and that they was, what it was said, what strikes me, is that they, all of them that believed were one heart and a one soul, that they were all unified together and that's great and and that's very uh, beneficial for all of those people that were a part of that that the if person was uh had problems in his life those people the the brethren would have helped them they would strive to uh push them in the right way and it said that they the things would none of them thought that the things which he possessed was his own but they all had all things in common and in those situations it's you know, there's of, of a great benefit to the individual that 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 the uh, the brethren there could have uh, easily uh, uh, helped uh, that person 
if person was going off track to make the right choices. When we think about a situation like in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16 dealing with Paul, that uh, it says, At my first offense, no one took my part, but all forsook me, may it not be laid to their account. Now we have this uh, this this difference here between Acts 4 and 2 Timothy chapter 4 when, when all of these believers were one heart and one soul. And then there are times, like as we see with Paul, that there are times when uh, you may be the only one, you may be the only uh, a Christian in the room. And you may be... Uh, you may be just like Paul, being uh, being persecuted or for or for whatever form, uh, standing up for Christ, and you and you may have you may be the only one that can stand up for Christ. And when we think about that, we have to stand up on our own two feet. We have to make our own uh, choices at that particular time because there's going to be situations in which we have to be willing uh, to work independently of others that we have to choose to do the right thing and that requires a little bit of self-determination a little bit of independence and a willingness to do what is right regardless of who is looking and so for example uh, going on we look at acts chapter 2 and verse 38 it says that peter said unto them repent ye and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ unto the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the holy spirit now, Peter talking to the Jews here, he tells them to repent and be baptized. They were all to repent and they were all to be baptized. But we think about repentance and we think about the sins that one is to repent of. And when we think about our individual lives, we all have different struggles. There are all all uh, different things that we have to deal with. For example... There may be, may be sins that I have to repent of that is much more of a temptation, much more harder for me to get rid of than for anyone else. And so there are all there's these different individual struggles for each and every one of us. And we all have to make that choice to repent. What I give up is up to, ultimately up to me. I have to be willing to look at myself without any type of bias and to see if there are anything that there is anything in my life that is hindering uh, me following Christ, and I have to look at those things and be willing to uh, give those things up. And we look at Acts chapter twenty-four and verse sixteen. Paul says, "Here and I also exercise myself to have a conscience void of offense towards God and men always." And so he says here that he is exercising. Uh, the word is means to strive to uh, to want to do those things, willing to have that conscience void of offense towards God and also towards men. So Paul was always striving first and foremost to make sure that he was uh, not sinning against God. And then, when, then if he could do these things to uh, be a void of conscience towards men that was not affecting uh, offending God or offending God or, or breaking God's law, he was going to do those things. He was going to strive towards that. And so he's doing that all the time. And so I think we see here a great example of what we are to strive towards as well. And so every day we have to make a choice ultimately of who are we going to serve. 
we have, whether we like it or not, we're either going to serve God or we're going to serve sin, as we see in Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. So every day we independently, without uh, input, or or we can't have input from from our our brethren, but we independently have to make these decisions, and we have to make that choice of who are we ultimately going to serve. And so again, this requires uh, self-determination to to do the right thing. And so continuing on, we look at Luke chapter 15, in verse 18, this is the parable of the prodigal son. And so we can, we know the story in which he had uh, wanted his inheritance from, from his father. He received it, he went and squandered it. And in verse 18, it says, I will arise. And go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. So you think about this. He, so the son, he's in a bad situation and he realizes what he has done. He had made a, he had made a choice, a free will choice, that he is responsible uh, for being in the situation that he's in. He has made his choice that he is responsible uh, for sinning against his father and in get, and against heaven, and so he had owned up to that. He had chosen to do that. He had chosen to confess that sin as well. And so, when we think about that, he made that choice independent of others. He determined in himself that he was going to make uh, that that choice to to uh, to. Uh, I forget the word, but he was going to make sure that he was going to make those things right between him and his father. And so when we think about that, we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. It says, For we all, for we must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he had done, whether it be good or bad. And so all of us are going to be judged according to the things that we have done. That... If we uh, sin against uh, a brother or from anyone, we're going to be judged on those things right. And we have to make the decision whether or not we're going to make that right. We're not going to repent of those sins and to uh, do the things necessary to be made right. And so we have to have, again, just like we see in the prodigal son, uh, we're going to have to make that choice. And we're going to have to be willing to take personal responsibility for those sins. And so when we continue on, we think about, uh, so we think about, uh, first of all, in Acts chapter 238, this idea of of being uh, determined to do what is right, to repent of those sins, and to make, and to, if we have sinned, to make those things right, and to be willing to take responsibility for those sins. And also when we, when we think about the doctrine that we see in the Scriptures, uh, for example, in James chapter 1, and verse 26 through 27, uh, this is James writing, it says, If any man thinketh himself to be religious, while he bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his heart, this man's re- religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before our God and Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And so, we see that, again, we're to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, but he says, in verse 27, that pure and undefiled religion is to visit the fatherless and widows in, the, in, in their affliction. And so, when are we to do this? 
we don't have any we don't have any scriptures on to uh, when is the appropriate time to do this. So when we decide to care for these widows or these orphans, and we see uh, caring for other individuals as well throughout the scriptures, that is up to us to determine. We know that we are to do it, and we have to be able to make the decision on when we're going to do those things. Also, we look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, So then as we have opportunity, let us work that which is good towards all men, and especially towards them that are of the household of faith. Again, we do not have specific guidelines on to when those things are to take place. But we each have to, t- to t- determine in our own heart, when are we going to do that? When are we going to do good towards all men and to those of the household of faith? And we have to make sure that we uphold those commands and we have to be willing to set in our own minds when we are going to do that. And also when we look at the idea of, so we looked at this idea of obedience. We see these things in, in, in these other things in scriptures that are not specifically laid out exactly when we're to do. We have to t- determine in our whole, own hearts when we have to do it. But also when we consider the idea of growth. Or growing and maturing. We see in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, So then, my beloved, even as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so here we have this scripture speaking of the uh, this, this idea of proper growth and maturity. That we have to work out our own salvation. That we have to work these things out. We have to be willing to make that commitment towards growing and to working out our own salvation and to put in the necessary effort for that. Also in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Wherefore, brethren, give the more diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never stumble. So again, uh, Peter had just got through listen, uh, listening to things to which they were to add to their faith. And he says, give the more diligence to make your calling and election sure. Make sure that you work diligently toward these things, toward adding these uh, these things. And so we see that it requires, this idea of growth and maturing, it requires effort and a, and a commitment that we are going to have to each individually make. And it is our responsibility to do those things individually. Now our brethren or, or any type of group of people can influence us to persuade us to do these things, but at the end of the day, again, we make that choice on growing and making that commitment towards that growth and maturity. And again, we think about uh, the, the proper attitude that we, t- we are to have uh, towards God and His commandments. You know, we think about the Pharisees and how uh, they are simply simply obeying the law. They're just seeing the law as a bunch of commands in which to obey. And we have to consider that that is not, now we have to obey his commands, but we are to serve him, serve God from the heart. It's not just a list of commands and a list of rules and regulations to obey, but we also have to serve him, serve God, serve Christ from the heart. In Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 4, it says, or Are ye ignorant, brethren? For speak to men who know the law, that the law hath dominion over a man for so long time as he liveth. 
For the woman that hath the husband is bound by law to the husband while he liveth. But if the husband dies, she, she is discharged from the law of the husband. So then if, while the husband liveth, she be joined to another man, she be called an adulteress. But if the husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be joined to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also were made dead to the law through the body of Christ, that ye should be joined to one another, to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bring forth fruit unto God. And so Paul is bringing up this idea of, of a husband and wife being married, and he's comparing that to uh, those that were dead to the law and then being joined uh, to the body of Christ. And it says that ye should be joined to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bring forth fruit unto God. And so he's giving this marriage relationship. I believe it speaks of uh, the relationship that we're going to have with Christ. It is not simply a keeping rules and regulation. We're going to serve Christ from the heart. We're going to want uh, to do these things. And when we think about the last part of verse 4, it says that we might bring forth fruit unto God. We first have to be joined with Christ, and we have to be uh, uh, joined with Him and to have that uh, proper uh, relationship with Him so that we can bring forth fruit unto God. If we do not serve Christ from the heart, then that so-called fruit that we are bringing forth is meaningless. It's kind of like we see in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23 when uh, Christ was rebuking the Pharisees. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye tithe mint and anise and cumin and have left undone the weight of your matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith, but these ye ought to have done and not to have left the other undone. And so, uh, Christ speaking says, "Look, you've done these things. You ought to have done. You ought to have done the things that you have done. But these other things that you left undone, justice and mercy and faith, uh, those things that uh, we have that's not spelled out in the law that we have to develop. That we that we have to serve uh, Him from the heart. Develop those things. Understand that is what God is wanting." And so if we do not serve Christ from the heart, if we just look at his, his commands or his word as just a list of rules and regulations, we cannot adequately serve him. We cannot adequately bring forth fruit unto God. We have to be joined with him. We have to serve him with the proper attitude. And so when we think about the idea of this idea of self-determination, the idea of independence, we understand that there is balance in that as well that we are when one becomes a part of the the church that they become part of that body of christ in galatians chapter 3 and verse 28 it says there can be neither jew nor greek there can be neither bond nor free there can be no male and female for you're all one man in christ jesus and so uh, we looking back at the lesson, we see that there are things that we have to make independent choices we have to make independently of others all right, but we also can be uh, when we become part of that body of Christ. There are ways in which that body can help us. It says that in, in when we become a part of that body, there's no more uh, distinctions. There's no more uh, different uh, varying levels of, uh, I guess, social life. There's uh, there's not a caste system in which the rich people are on top and the poor are on the bottom. Everyone is equal. They're all one. And in continuing on to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 26, 
speaking about uh, the members of the church, says whether one member suffereth, all the members suffer with it, or one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. This is the uh, the proper attitude that the church is to have towards its members, that each individual members, that if somebody is gone off, that if, that they have gone astray, we have to, we ought to respond towards that. We ought to be uh, saddened by that as well if somebody, if something's good happened to someone. We ought to rejoice in that as well. If one member suffered, the, uh, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So what one member does affects the rest of the body. And so also in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 12 it says, if a man prevail against him that is alone, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Uh, speaking here that if a, a, a group of people, there is a lot of power and a lot of influence when a people are uh, grouped together and are united. And so, continuing on in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, thinking about uh, how uh, the body benefits us, the church benefits us, how we all have a, a role to play in it. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, it says, Not forsaking our own assembling together, as the custom of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the, the day drawing nigh. And so, uh, Paul, or, well, uh, I'll just say that the, the writer of Hebrews is uh, <laughs> it slipped out. The writer of Hebrews is uh, think uh, talking to these people. They were thinking about uh, uh, going back to the the old law, going back to Judaism, and he says, "Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together." But he says, "But exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day drawing nigh." So when we uh, we, being members of the church, we are to exhort one another. We are to encourage one another to continue to doing the right thing. That these, there were many people that were wanting to turn uh, back to some extent, at least, to the old law, and they were to exhort one another, try to keep them following solely Christ, fo- solely following the gospel. Also, in First Thessalonians chapter five and verse fourteen uh, through fifteen. It says that we exhort you, brethren, admonish this, the disorderly, encourage the faint-hearted, support the weak, be long-suffering toward all, see that none render unto anyone evil for evil, but always follow after that which is good, one toward another and toward the all. And so, again, what are the brethren supposed to do? They're supposed to admonish, encourage, support the weak, and be long-suffering toward all. And this is for all of us, that we all, again, or to do these things, we all have a part to play, that we are all called to admonish the disorderly, encourage, support the weak, and to again be long-suffering toward all. And then again, in verse 15, that no one renders anyone evil for evil, but to always follow that which is good, one toward another and toward all again. So we are all, uh, each one of us, that we want the best for each and every one of us, that we are always looking and following that which is good, for each and every one of us. And so Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. So again, uh, going back, we think about the idea of encouraging one another, to admonishing one another, supporting one another. 
In Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, it says, Faithful is the saying, and concerning these things I desire that thou affirm confidently to the end that they who have believed God may be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So Paul Ryan Titus saying that we, that the church, the members of the church, the Christians there, were to, to be careful to maintain good works. And also in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, From whom all the body fitly framed and knit together through that which every joint supplies, according to the working and due measure of each several part, making the increase of the body unto the building of it of itself in love. So in, in Ephesians chapter 4, talking again about the members of that body, that each member, each has something to supply. Each member, each has something to give. And what does that do? We see in the last part, it says, Make it the increase of the body unto the building up of itself in love. King James says that's the uh, edifying itself in love. That when each member is working and these members are working together, it causes a building, it causes the members to be built up. It says the increase of the body unto the building up of itself in love. So it benefits the entire body as a whole. That there is each, there is each, uh, there is always something for each individual member to do, and also in Titus chapter three and verse eight, that not only are we to individually uh, maintain these good works, but there is good works for the body to do. There are, as as for example, with evangelism, that the body is to uh, partake of these good works and to continue to do these things. And again, these things it says are good and profitable uh, to men. That is the things that we are to work towards. And so when we think about so. Kind of switching gears, we looked at the idea of works, but when we think about prayer, what impact does prayer have towards us as individuals and for uh, the members as well? It says in verse John chapter 5 and verse 14, it says, And this is the boldness which we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition, petitions which we have asked of him. So, for example, when we pray for each other, we can have confidence that God is going to hear us. May not answer us the way we want, the way we would like, but we know that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, and He know we know that He hears us whatsoever we ask. So, again, uh, even if we are together here, we oftentimes we pray for each uh, each other or for individual members here, and we can have confidence that God is going to hear us. And so, again, there is benefits that there are uh, things that these that the church that uh, that the church as a whole uh, can benefit from. And so, we look at Ephesians chapter five, going from prayer to even from simply as singing. Ephesians chapter five and verse nineteen, it says, "Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord." And also in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto God. And so here again, when we are together singing, that what are we doing? So we're, we're worshiping, but we're also teaching and admonishing one another with these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So is there is a benefit towards the members here that if you are singing, uh, singing these songs and hearing spiritual songs, they are benefiting those that are around you. 
And of course, uh, I don't have it up here, but we can go on talking about the idea of the uh, uh, Lord's Supper, that we are fellowshipping together when we are partaking of that uh, supper as well. And so that's, that's, mainly, that's the end of my lesson. I just want to look at a few points of how uh, we have to make choices independently of each other, that we have to make our own decisions. And then when we talk about the idea of the church, that there are ways in which that group, that we can be benefited from that group and that we can uh, uh, benefit, not only benefit from it, but also benefit that group as well. And so, uh, like I said, that's the end of my lesson. If we, if we look back, uh, going way back to the very beginning, that we see in Acts chapter 2 what Peter told those uh, to do that he had just previously said that they had ki- that they had killed the Messiah, the Messiah that they were looking for. They were they killed him, and they asked him what to do. And he says in Acts chapter two and verse thirty eight, says, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, unto the remission of your sins." And so here we have we have those people that are that have asked Peter. They believe what he has said that that Jesus, which they had crucified, was both Lord and Christ. And he tells them to be repent and to be baptized so that they could have the remission of their sins. And so if anyone or any one of you here that have not done that, we ask that you uh, uh, would make that right as soon as possible. And for example, if you are a Christian and you have uh, uh, maybe struggling with a particular sin that you are struggling to repent from or for uh, for whatever reason, if you need the prayers of the saints. And so, uh, for whatever reason that you have, we offer the invitation now as we stand and as we sing, will you come? <laughs>